are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock here on this Friday edition, getting you ready for Sunday's matchup, Week 6, 49ers at Los Angeles Rams, the unbeaten 49ers. Can they keep the streak alive? Can they improve to 5-0 and on the season? We'll find out, and we'll find out how bad the Rams are reeling right now. Lost two straight, both teams actually having some trouble with injuries right now. So we have the final Injury reports here that I've got for you for your drive home Friday afternoon or for your Saturday or Sunday morning or whenever you listen to this podcast. So we'll get into all of that stuff. Got some audio from Robert Sala talking about both uh, the Rams and the 49ers. And of course, my keys to victory for the 49ers in week six. Do I need to remind you where to find me at BD Peacock on Twitter, LockedOn49ers.com. Every podcast app should have this podcast and all the shows here on the Locked On Podcast Network, including Locked On NFL, hosted by yours truly, along with former NFL scout Matt Williamson. So the injury report, it is growing for the 49ers and growing for the Rams, for that matter. And you're probably not going to like the newest name on the list for the 49ers, George Kittle, showing up late in the week, limited in practice Friday with a groin injury and he is officially listed as questionable Sunday. So that would be a huge loss for the 49ers if he is not able to play the questionable designation. A good chance he's still going to play, I think, and the guys with questionable more than 50% of the time do play. But the fact that it's late in the week, all of a sudden pops up with a groin injury, uh, that's a little bit frightening for the 49ers who are already without both starting tackles, Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey. Kyle Juszczyk already out, so that would be uh, damaging for the run game as well as the pass because the 49ers haven't really been throwing the ball much to anybody else aside from George Kittle. So uh, those wide receivers might have to step up, and that might be one of the keys that we will talk about later. Uh, Speaking of wide receivers, Marquise Goodwin, not injury-related, didn't practice Friday. D. Ford still limited as he has been and will probably play. It's going to be, you know, standard for D4 to be limited during the week, but still be able to to play on Sundays. And uh, he's a big part of that pass rush, so that is key. And, of course, Akella Witherspoon also still out with that foot injury, and he will not play. Looking at the Rams' side, a couple of major ones. Todd Gurley is doubtful to play Sunday. He did not practice all week long with a quad injury. Starting cornerback Akib Talib is now officially out for the Rams, as is outside linebacker Clay Matthews. So uh, dinged up are the Rams as well coming into this contest on Sunday. No Gurley would mean Malcolm Brown would likely get the start at running back, but then there would be some potentially meaningful action for the first time in his career for Daryl Henderson, the rookie third rounder out of Memphis, who's a 4-3 guy. He's got a ton of speed. Uh, He looked like he was shot out of a cannon at times in college. Hasn't had a chance to show his stuff in the NFL. This might be uh, the first time he gets that opportunity against the 49ers Sunday. And we'll see going forward if this is sort of that thing that is going to be an off-and-on deal for Todd Gurley and and hamper him all season long as he's been dealing with uh, a knee and sometimes that knee turns into a quad. And that's why the Rams drafted a third-round running back. This could be a long-term thing for, for Todd Gurley. And that's not great for the Rams, but that's good for the 49ers Sunday. I want to get to some audio from 
49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala, who took the podium and talked about a number of things. And Robert Sala getting some head coaching buzz this week. Uh, I can't remember what the article was, but somebody listed a number of names that could be getting interviews in the upcoming offseason. And Robert Sala was one of the names on that list. And it's funny how perceptions change when you start to win some football games. But uh, speaking of perceptions, let's hear from Robert Sala on how he feels about the Rams coming into week six. They're very talented. All this, uh, all this narrative about that they've uh, taken a step back, I don't see it. Uh, they're putting up points at a rapid rate. Their drop-back game is better than I've ever seen it. Uh, their play-action pass and run game is still there. Uh, Sean and his staff still do an unbelievable job calling plays, setting things up. Uh, and uh, when you're out of the first 15, which is always exotic with this system, it's not over. Uh, just like with Kyle, when you're out of the 15, it's just starting. Uh, first 15, it's because you've got to be on it with what you've shown, what your players look like, what holes are being filled in, and you've got to be able to co- uh, coach on the sideline to make sure that all those holes that they're, we're putting on tape are filled because that's what they're looking at. So uh, it's a great challenge for us. It doesn't matter who we have on the football field because uh, schematically and team-wise, this is by far our greatest challenge. It's absolutely a massive game for the 49ers for both uh, perceptions in-house and I think Nationally, 49ers getting a lot of credit for winning a primetime football game. I think that helps when all of the league's eyeballs are on your team and you dominate somebody on Monday Night Football. But I think this week six matchup against the Rams on the road, this is the one that everybody circled. And we had talked about this for weeks. Are the 49ers for real yet? I don't know. Let's wait until they go to L.A. and face the Rams, who have owned the division the last couple of years and represented the NFC in the Super Bowl. You know Robert Sala and the 49ers aren't going to look past that matchup no matter how many games in a row the Rams have lost. Sala was asked about Nick Bosa and how he's been playing if he has been playing as expected or even exceeded some expectations so far in his rookie season. Uh, he's, he's about where, where we thought. He's, he's doing a really, really nice job, but it's no, it's no different uh, for him. Um, said it to y'all last week. I mean, as, as much as people are praising him today, he can go out and lay an egg. Same thing with the defense. We can go out and lay an egg on Sunday and they'll have people with tar and, tar, tar and feather us as we walk out of the stadium. So it doesn't matter. Um, the, the truest measure of perf- consistency is the truest measure of performance. So we've got to go out and do it every single day because uh, no matter what we've accomplished today, there's, there's a whole line of people just waiting for us to fail so they can go talk. And so we just got to be focused on us and us means getting better being great at our technique, being relentless in effort, being relentless with violence, and just being relentless in our overall pursuit to be perfect every single play. And if we do that, it doesn't matter what happens around us. Internally, we'll be able to get to where we're trying to go. That answer by Robert Sala struck me because he basically went completely off of the question to a straight coach speak answer. Didn't want to talk up his young rookie. And also, he he's really good at throwing in those self-helpy type quotes, which uh, I don't even know what it was anymore. I already forgot what it was. But it's like, okay, nice one, coach. Just threw that in there. It's the thing where it's like that he's got a calendar on his desk. He's like, okay, I'm going to use that in the press conference today. Um, but it's also the thing that struck me about it is not that he sort of skated the question about heaping praise on Nick Bosa that everybody knows was awesome last week, right? And probably deserves some praise. And I get it. You don't want to you know, go overboard on your young player. He's still got to earn it every single week. And that totally makes sense. And I totally agree with Robert Sala there, but it struck me because if Robert Sala starts to get some interviews and it probably happened with the 49ers coaching staff, when they interviewed him to be defensive coordinator, if some teams are looking for a head coach, 
uh, he's I think he would be pretty good in an interview. So I wouldn't be at all shocked if Robert Sala at some point in his career ends up being a head coach. I don't know that it'll be this year, maybe a little bit too soon, but he is probably going to be a pretty good candidate and a pretty good interviewee, I would assume, uh, just because he's, you know, he talks he talks straight in a way that it's convincing and he has his points and he wants to hammer those coaching points and he doesn't get distracted by the other stuff that he could be distracted by when he's speaking about his team. And I, as a fan and someone on the outside, hearing multiple press conferences from Robert Sala have been a little bit critical of that in the past where it's like, okay, I want to get into the meat. I want him to go off and I want, I want to hear some scheme or some other ideas that's not all just straight, you know, play with violence, play fast and all that stuff. We've heard all that already. So I'd wondered, man, is that all it is? And does it wear thin on the players too? Cause they've already heard it and it really sounds great the first time you hear it. And then you're like, okay, violence fast. I get it. What else? You know? Um, but for a first time person you're sitting across from and he's straight and I bet uh, teams are going to eat that up when he's interviewing. Okay. More from Robert Sala. And of course the five keys to victory for the 49ers in week six in this big matchup, NFC West playoff implications. Awesome. So fun. We're going to get into the meat of this 49ers schedule from here on out. A lot of good teams, a lot of good quarterbacks on the schedule, starting with the Rams Sunday. This podcast is brought to you in part by Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help get you to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout and receive a discount of up to $100. So Sala was asked again more about Nick Bosa, and again Sala deflected the Bosa stuff and talked about the rest of the defensive line and heaped praise on all of them, who are definitely all also deserving. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, And that's all of them, too. I think uh, when you look at Buck, he's had three games in a row with three sacks. He's He's learning how this all thing, this whole thing ties together. D Ford has had two sacks uh, in four games, which is, I know, probably expect more, but in my mind, he's done more than anything we, we were able to generate from a year ago. Uh, um, Armstead looks fantastic. So they're all really still not even scratching the surface with what they're capable of with regards to uh, understanding how each one's rushing, how they each fit in the system, how to play games together, how to blitz together, all of it, uh, and how we're implementing all our game day uh, different wrinkles that we'll show every single week. So uh, from an offensive perspective, you can't just count on D Ford being left, Bosa being right, and you, you can't count on it. So uh, we're building our system. And so by the time we get to the middle of the middle of the season, our hope is that all offenses see is just a overwhelming amount of different things that are all the same to us. That's got to be frightening for an opposing team to hear with how good the 49ers front has already been and just, beat the heck out of the last two quarterbacks they faced and going back to week one with Jameis Winston, forcing turnovers, forcing bad throws, just putting in so much pressure on opposing quarterbacks uh, with the Rams offensive line in the bad shape that it's in and not playing well coming into this game, facing that front and the fact that they could get better and throw more wrinkles at you as we get deeper into the season has got to be scary. So health is probably the, the only thing that would keep the 49ers defensive line, I think from being the best I've seen in the NFL this season. I mean, that's how good they are right now across the board, dominating. And uh, I that's what's going to lead them to victory again, I think, in week six against the Rams. That is the number one thing that the 49ers have right now. And you can just hang your hat on it. The 49ers defensive line is stupid good right now. 
And just to show you that the 49ers aren't resting on their laurels, that you know having a dominating front uh, is not enough, and they want to continue to get better, there are still some things and some little tweaks Robert Sala talks about here where the 49ers could improve, which I think is huge for this team because the 49ers right now aren't a team that looks like they're going to get worse, like they're going to fall off a cliff because uh, something isn't matching up. In fact, I think they're a team that could play better Sala talks about some of the things on defense and on offense. They're still not, I mean, they're running the heck out of the football. So, you know, losing some offensive linemen could help if the 49ers can't run the ball as well. But in the passing game, the wide receivers haven't even hardly gotten involved in the offense. So that offense could be so much better, which means the team could be so much better because throwing the football in the NFL is the number one thing that's driving the league and driving points and driving some of the best teams in the league right now. So when that is firing on top of everything else the 49ers have going on, uh, look out. So the 49ers aren't going anywhere because they can do some fundamental things really well. But Robert Sala is talking about how they could do even some of those things better. There's certain details that we see uh, from a defensive perspective where it may not have been exposed um, uh, on tape, but you can visually see that there's a hole in the defense. And if it's not if it's not fixed 99 out of 100 times, it can be fixed with proper technique. And so just making sure that guys hone in and are always looking at their technique, always looking at where their eye placement is, always understanding what they're being asked to do and what they're being asked to stop. So that way they can be tighter in coverage. The whole idea of making sure that uh, offenses just feel claustrophobic with regards to the way the football field feels to them. And, uh, and so when we watch tape, our job is to try to make it feel as tight as possible to an offense and you only do that by playing with an, un, like I said, with effort, great technique, and violence. So that, so that field just feels really, really small. How can you turn that, the, what is it, fifty-one and a third or whatever it is? How do you make that feel like it's forty-five yards wide? You know, you just try keep trying to condense the field, and you do that with, uh, like I said, uh, speed, effort, technique, all that stuff. So, and it's one of the huge keys for this defense, and what the front can do is you see some of those things. And occasionally there is a break in coverage in the back end. And uh, one of the listeners pointed it out to me in week one. I thought, man, that secondary was awesome. They didn't screw up at all. There was no miscommunications. And he's like, actually there was, but Bosa got to the quarterback. He got to Jameis Winston before he could see it and before he could make that throw. So having that dominating front and having a defensive line that can get after quarterbacks makes things so much easier on the back end. And if you're covering well, maybe you can make a quarterback hold on to the ball long enough to where the defensive line can get there. So it all works together and it's also important. And having that pass rush has been so huge and maybe even the biggest factor along with new defensive backs coach Joe Woods for how well the secondary is playing this year. By the way, am I talking really fast today? I feel like I'm over caffeinated so that might be coming through the podcast and if it's not uh, hopefully it's not then then that's great but if it is that's the culprit a uh, lack of sleep plus abundance of caffeine for my Friday morning so that's what's going on in my life I hope things are going great in your life got some more Robert solid to get to here and of course still some five keys to victory for the 49ers this week uh, let's see, what's this clip? Robert Sala gets into some scheme a little bit here, which is what I love hearing with him. And I know it's in there. I don't know if he wants to always give it away. And uh, and he he preys on a bunch of defensive linemen so far. He hadn't talked about DJ Jones, but he gives DJ Jones praise here, who's been the 49ers nose tackle. I say nose tackle. He's definitely not lining up as a, a traditional nose for the 49ers, but that's his job to be the, the beefiest of them all inside and take on blocks and more of a, a two-down 
stuffer there for the 49ers. So he gets some praise here and talks about how his scheme works in different down and distance situations. Uh, our philosophy has always been that we're going to be as sound as possible. So uh, on first and second down, we're, um, you know, we, we eliminate explosives. It's a number one rule to our defense is to make sure that everything's uh, that we're going to eliminate explosives at all costs. So you can't be sound unless you're sound in the run game first. Um, on third down, it gives you the flex. Third down gives you the flexibility to get a little bit more exotic because you're not worried about the run game as much. So now you can cheat coverage. You don't have to um, uh, sell out with an eight-man box. You don't have to be perfect in the run game. You still want to have an idea of where people fit, but odds are you're playing for pass. So with us on first and second down, we're going to play. We just philosophically, we're going to play a very clean game, and you can see it on tape. We're going to try to play it as sound as possible with our coverages. And then when we get to third down, that's where you'll see all the different shows, all the different exotics that we'll create week to week. And DJ, uh, on first and second down, just being a big part of it, uh, his explosiveness at that two-eye spot, uh, his, uh, his, his power, his strength, all that stuff, he's just, I think he's a problem in there for guards and centers trying to, who try to double-team him and all that stuff. So he's, he's a good player, and he, and he has pass rush ability. So if teams do try to pass uh, – play action pass or just drop back on first and second down he is strong enough and explosive enough to create some pocket push in there so our ends and our three technique can go work also and the last bit here from sala is about the pass rush and still to me that's the biggest key with this team in 2019 versus 2018 somebody asked me how important is a what a good pass rusher uh, what would a good pass rusher do or an edge rusher do for the defense and uh, i equated it to uh, a court, an, off- an offense needing a good quarterback. And I say it that way because the, the most important position on the football field is the quarterback. And the only position that can really disrupt a quarterback is the defensive line, if you really think about it. Uh, you can create, you can be a team that can constantly blitzes to disrupt the quarterback, but you're just leaving a bunch of holes in your coverage. But if you can do it with four uh, and that quarterback, and you can make that quarterback uncomfortable you can play a very sound coverage in the back end and speed up his process. And that's where you get quarterbacks making bad decisions. But um, the defensive line, it's our philosophy anyway. I know that uh, when you look at other defenses, you know, they, they may have different philosophies all the way around. But for us in our system, that defensive line is everything. The defensive line is everything. It's so huge for the 49ers. The defense has been non-functional without a pass rush and specifically an outside pass rush and solid talks about that there and really lays it out Cassius marsh love or hate the guy the team expected marsh to be the number one edge rusher going into the 2018 season and he wouldn't even suit up right now for the current 49ers team he'd be a healthy scratch on this roster and that's the biggest difference in 2019 for this team they're getting after opposing quarterbacks they are affecting opposing quarterbacks and they didn't change a single personnel piece in the secondary uh, save for a couple snaps from, well, you've got more playing, but now Ward is back. Um, but still all the same people. A couple of snaps from Jason Verrett. And, you know, he didn't make an impact. So it's the same team. It's the same roster in the secondary. And suddenly they look amazing, right? And uh, specifically on the right cornerback side, no matter who they plugged in this year, even Mosley looked great last week. He didn't even get hardly any targets. But the pass, the pass rush is key. If you can play some coverage behind rushing four guys, and those four guys can get home. That's how you can beat anybody. That's how Patrick Mahomes got beat last week. That's how Tom Brady got beat twice in the Super Bowl. That uh, NASCAR package, I think they called it, the New York Giants had, where they basically had four defensive ends getting after the quarterback. That's how they beat the Patriots. That's how they beat Tom Brady. That's how they won a Super Bowl. 
So important. The defense has been non-functional without it. Now they have it in abundance. The 49ers basically got the two best edge guys they could have possibly gotten in this offseason because they wouldn't have been able to trade their first round pick for anybody because they had to use that on Bosa. And their next pick, the second rounder, they used for the right to sign. They didn't even trade straight up for him. They they spent a second rounder for the right to sign D Ford. That's how important that is. And we're seeing the benefits now of that for the 49ers. Okay, coming up. What are the five keys to victory for the 49ers against the Rams in week six? If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course, you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? Put that knowledge to use. If you're listening to this show, you're obviously a well-informed football fan. Make yourself a little cash with my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On. Visit MyBookie.com. A.G. Today, you play, you win, you get paid. Are you guys getting hyped for Sunday? I'm getting pretty hyped for this 49ers-Rams matchup Sunday. I think it's going to be a fun one. And uh, one thing real quick, one more note that I haven't talked about yet. If you're hoping for some new players to suit up for the 49ers, potentially via trade, 49ers GM John Lynch was on KNBR yesterday, asked about potential trades, and he said, quote, If something makes sense... We'll absolutely try to improve our team, but we do have a long-term vision as well as we want to be successful. This year, we want to be successful and into the future. So it's a pretty, you know, non-answer there, but still, it's clear that the 49ers have made some calls, probably don't like what they're hearing as far as asking prices go for some players. Maybe some guys, as teams' losses pile up, will become available. But it's the smart approach. It's the right approach. The 49ers don't have to do anything crazy. They can still evaluate their roster. They're 4-0. You know, you don't have to be uh, overly aggressive in the trade market when you're winning. Um, and But if something catastrophic happens in the next few weeks before that deadline, the 49ers are in a place where they could do something. I'm sure they had a lot of conversations, but they don't have to. And that's a smart approach. It's a long view approach, which is what the 49ers should have. So definitely shouldn't be doing anything stupid. But there might be some players out there who could have some value for the team if that asking price is right. But I wouldn't expect any big shakeups. And most of their major injuries, those guys are going to come back around the time that the deadline happens. So, you know, it's like, what's the point? Are you going to go big for an offensive tackle when by the deadline you're going to have Staley and McGlinchey back most likely? And you're going to get Akella Witherspoon back. So that's why the 49ers probably aren't doing much. And the dark horse position there, obviously, is wide receiver. And we've talked a little bit about that wide receiver position. And let's start there for our keys to victory against the Rams in week six. And the key here is, can the 49ers throw for points? Wide receivers might need to produce in this one. Aqib Talib is out for the Rams, so that helps. They've got a gambler on the other side in Marcus Peters. Can they hit him with some double moves? Can they take advantage of him jumping routes? Can Garoppolo avoid him when he does jump routes and not throw the ball to the other team? Uh, but Debo right now is the top wide receiver 
the top producing wide receiver for the 49ers. He's on pace for 48 catches, 600 yards, and four touchdowns. That would be the leading wide receiver extrapolated out to 16 games for the 49ers, which is not, it's not good enough for a team that has some championship aspirations, which I'm sure the 49ers do and expect to get into the playoffs and expect to maybe go deep in the playoffs. They need to have more success outside. And I do expect it to get better no matter what. I mean, I mean, Debo's a young player and he's leading. He's the rookie. He should be getting much better as the season goes along, right? Uh, as should Dante Pettis. Dante Pettis right now has started half the games for the 49ers and he's on pace for 24 catches and 152 yards. That's his pace for the 2019 season. And his yards per catch is really low. It's lower than all the 49ers running backs even. Forget wide receivers. Marquise Goodwin's been the number two receiver. He's actually got more yards than Debo, but fewer catches. So the 49ers wide receivers right now, I think it's part, they haven't been needed that much because the run game's been so good. The 49ers haven't had to sit back and throw a bunch and throw from behind to try to catch up. So my question here is, can the 49ers throw per for points if they need to, if either they get behind or they can't run the ball as they have. And if they can't run the ball as they have, there's a good reason for it. Uh, I'll get to that. That's one of the keys. But um, my fifth key there was throw for points. Can the wide receivers step up? And especially with that George Kittle groin injury lingering now, uh, it might be even more important for the 49ers receivers. Pressure Jared Goff. The theme of this episode has been the defense, the defensive line, and the pressure they've been able to get on quarterbacks, that has to continue. I think that's the thing the 49ers right now can hang their hat on. I talked about it, but they still got to go out and do it, and it's still got to be a key. Uh, this is from Jeff Dini of Pro Football Focus. The Rams' offensive line currently ranks 32nd in pass-blocking efficiency rating. They've allowed more quarterback pressures as a unit than any team in the NFL. Andrew Whitworth, the left tackle, has been steady, but even not as good as he used to be. And the rest of the line has been really bad and just struck. Adini goes on to say Jared Goff is obviously on a different level than Mayfield or Rudolph. But for two straight games, the 49ers have held quarterbacks to a passer rating of 0.0 when under pressure. So that's the key to this game, I think, above all else. And it's the reason I think the 49ers can win this game. Because I fully believe in the 49ers defensive front. It's the best one I've seen all season. If they can get after Jared Goff, who has not been good under pressure himself. That's the key to this game, pressure Goff, and I think the 49ers will have a massive advantage Sunday. Key number three, Emmanuel Mosley. He passed his first test. He's got to hold up again. That was like a preliminary exam. That was like a practice test. He only got targeted three times. He passed that test. One screen to Odell Beckham was one of his three targets, so one of them was just a free reception behind the line of scrimmage. Odell got seven or eight yards on it, and they made a nice little run after the catch. One was the deep ball to Odell down the left sideline. And one was a target in the end zone to the tight end, Harris, which Emmanuel Mosley made a great play on and, and broke that pass up. Mosley was ta targeted zero times in his quadrant on that side of the field between zero and 20 yards. Zero targets. That's not going to happen this week. Sean McVay will test Emmanuel Mosley Mosley's got to come up big and pass the test when he's targeted more is one of the things that I can't believe Freddie Kitchens and the Cleveland Browns didn't do on Monday Night Football is go after a cornerback who's making his very first start in the NFL and instead throwing interceptions to pro bowler Richard Sherman on the opposite side of the field. What are you doing? And hey, Mosley might be up to the test and he might pass it again 
And he might prove that people are like, okay, well, we tried that and that doesn't work, but you still got to try it. Key number two, special teams. What the hell was that last week? Robbie Gold won for four. Only one of those missed field goals was on him. Bad snaps, bad holds, a blocked kick. Wisnowski even bobbled a snap on a on punt that he received. He was able to get the ball off, but just really awkward, really sloppy special teams play from the 49ers kicking game. Even Richie James didn't field a punt that turned into a 70-yard punt. I think wind might have had to do with that. That punt really took off. Uh, then he had another return that was a nice return. Looked like it maybe could take it to the distance. Got tackled by his own guy. I think it was Greenlaw. Just It looked funky all night on special teams for the 49ers. Uh, luckily, that happened in a blowout win. You can't have special teams gaffes in a really tight one if it's close versus the Rams Sunday. And the final key to the game for the 49ers, uh, it was one of the top keys, and it has been since Joe Staley left. It's the offensive line. The team did so well for two games with Justin School in there for Joe Staley. Like, huge applause for Justin School. He's done a fantastic job filling in there. It's gotten to the point where you just stopped worrying about it. It's like, okay, he's going to be fine over there, I guess. And the 49ers have done what they can to help him out. But you can't help out both sides at the same time. They might try. They might run some two tight end sets and have a tight end on each side helping on both left and right tackles now with Daniel Brunskill getting the start for Mike McGlinchey on the right side. But can they still run the ball without two starting offensive tackles? And that's not to mention even missing fullback Kyle Juszczyk now. And then the healthy interior guys have to deal with Aaron Donald. So uh, we'll find out if the team can overcome that stuff and and how important Juice is. Kyle Juszczyk's only in on 52% of the snaps. Is it that big of a loss? He's a fullback. Some teams don't even employ a fullback, but the 49ers use a fullback more than just about anyone. So that's uh, key number one for the 49ers is that front, that offensive line, that can they continue to run the ball still without all of those guys? And can they keep Jimmy Garoppolo clean if they have to drop back and start throwing for points? All right, that's going to do it for this episode. It's a good one. I think the 49ers can keep that winning streak going, but this is their biggest test to date in the 2019 season. I will break it all down for you guys Monday right here, Locked on 49ers.